uh, Chad, you'll catch on quickly, but this guy, every any if I ever happen to bring up my girlfriend on this show, this guy just takes he just takes the he never takes the high road. He always has to he always has to have a comment about it. I'm just speaking the truth. <clears throat> you you pushing him into wedlock? Is that the joke or what? No, it's that I can't oh. talk about my girlfriend without him saying like, "Yeah, she told me that she did the do." Oh, gotcha. It's like the, the most the most sophomoric comedy that could possibly be on a podcast makes its way onto this podcast. Some heavy cuck humor. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. the The key word of 2019 was cuck. So so Adam is just now catching up to it comedically. Adam is uh two years behind on his comedy and ten years behind on his movie taste. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 23 of Ghost Party Radio, an in-depth and very serious exploration into the world of genre film hosted by two small-time cowards. I'm Trevor Dillon, and allow me to introduce my co-host, the army hammer to my Timothy Chalamet, it's Adam Cervantes Wagner. Ooh, no thank you. You hungry, Adam? Bad one, bad (laughs) one. People, you think that the listeners are chanting at home, bad one, bad one. (laughs) So, so what's going to happen with the sequel then? Um, I I heard that they had cast Dakota Johnson in it, but I think they'll just probably cast in any random white dude and just be like, yeah, that's just the Army Hammer character from last time. Maybe they can get one of the guys from uh, Modern Family. <laughs> yeah, I mean, anybody will work. I mean, let, let's just get past pretending that Army Hammer was anything other than just like an okay actor. Like, <laughs> like I think that like Hollywood tried handing him like, um, basically the town on a golden plate and he just fumbled the bag like nine or ten times. Well, maybe they can just get his uh, his like brother from uh, Social Network to play all his roles now. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, there's two of them. So uh, right. I, I think he's just holding out for Lone Ranger too, really. Uh-huh. Uh, if he can, Tarantino. <laughs> yeah, dude, Tarantino loved that movie. Uh, <laughs> Adam, how are you? I know we, um, we recently just dropped our best of 2020 episode. That was a long one. Uh, how are you feeling? Have you recovered from that yet? Yeah, I think I'm sobering up. Hopefully fewer uh, uh, stumbles, but I guess not already. Fewer, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. No, it's going to be more of the same, folks. Uh, how and, are you, you feeling? Know, I'm feeling okay, actually. I, I want to get to hearing what the listeners have to say about our show, Adam. What are the any listener review that you have to read? Oh, you're in luck. Yes, we have uh, one new listener review. Uh, the subject is just a period. Uh, it's from... <laughs> from listener corpse and then i don't understand this i don't understand the second half of their word their, their their name it's a capital b but then it's an asterisk tch what is what is that oh right uh that would be uh, the name is corpse bitch oh oh okay yeah. computer lingo uh to, our guest is sitting in silence as we as we listen uh, as we do our <laughs> listener reviews from listeners uh corpse bitch yeah and uh the 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 body of the uh the review is quote they're trying five stars yeah i mean i disagree (laughs) i I disagree that we're trying anybody who's ever listened to the show or been on the show knows that behind the scenes weren't we don't put a ton of work into it but Mm -hmm. uh adam um i'm willing to listen to corpse bitch i'm willing to put in work in the show if you are uh you know, once we start getting paid, I'm down. <laughs> once they start paying us, we'll start trying. That's how that. That's how the world works. 
my pillow. Yes, my pillow. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> absolutely, my pillow. Uh, mm-hmm. No more. Uh, we cannot talk at the beginning of the show, otherwise we get off and rants about Army Hammer and stuff like that. Um, let's mm-hmm. introduce our guest to talk about this awesome movie that he's brought on this week. Uh, this is a, a longtime supporter of the theater that I work at, the Frida Cinema, and uh, a good friend of mine that I've gotten to know over the last four years. Uh, please welcome to the show uh, Mr. Chad Leslie. Hi, Chad. How are you doing? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk about uh, this film and uh, hopefully a few others today. I'm sorry it took 23 episodes to get you on the show, um, I but I thought, you know what, I needed to wait for a genre to land on that wheel that you might, uh, you know, uh, hit a slam dunk, Adam. Hit a slam dunk. Uh, and it, it, Creature Feature seems right down your alley, so I thought of you uh, as one of the very first people that I would like to introduce onto the show. And uh, tell, tell the folks, tell the fine folks at home what movie you've brought today. Yeah, so brought a little film from uh, 2011, uh, directed by Mr. Joe Cornish, known as Attack the Block. Yes. Uh, Adam, when I sent you this, that we were watching Attack the Block, what were your first thoughts immediately? I was like, oh boy, today the kid who would be king is me, because I get to watch a good movie. <laughs> yeah, wait, I know we're, I don't care. This episode can be all over the place. It doesn't matter to me. But have any of you seen the kid who would be king? I've seen it, yeah, because I have kids. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, what did you think of it? Uh, it I liked it overall uh, for what it was. It, again, viewing it through the prism of somebody that has a family and then has a uh, six-year-old, uh, he enjoyed it thoroughly. And I'm always looking for, for things like that that you can watch with them that you're, you're not totally vegging out because, oh, I got to get through this uh, so my son has something to watch. So I enjoyed it in, in that perspective. Um, taking out of that, I mean, it was okay. It, it, I believe it's his second film. It feels a little bit like a sophomore film to mm-hmm. me overall. Like conceptually, um, I can see the throughputs, but I don't know if it quite comes together as entertainingly as Attack the Block uh, as a whole. Yeah, so this I is mean, his Pulp Fiction? Yeah, yeah that was his <laughs> It definitely does feel like a sophomore movie, even in terms of like release. It kind of just got dumped out, and I know it wasn't a huge hit. And I just was kind of curious what Joe Cornish was doing in the meantime, but we'll, we'll get to that. He definitely was doing things, but boy, I wish this guy made more movies. Uh, Chad, I asked the same questions of all of our guests, but um, you know that this is a podcast about genre cinema. What would you say overall is your favorite genre of cinema? Yeah. I hate that question, actually. <laughs> oh, boy. It's so hard to pick. Um, it's, it's, it's great it, that we ask all of our guests this question. I know. And I think the episodes I've heard, I've heard uh, most people tend to cheat. But uh, can we just call John Carpenter a genre of cinema? Because <laughs> that's the easiest for me to say. I mean, I get I get what you mean when you say that, for sure. Like a, a, like uh, a, a B-movie genre movie made with craft um with like badass actors in it basically like i think i think that's an awesome uh genre adam will you accept it uh absolutely yeah i think we should add john carpenter to the wheel and just be the only director that's on the wheel amongst a bunch of genres <laughs> um but yeah what's a, what 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 makes for a good john carpenter movie chad yeah i think uh the overriding element you know there's going to be some amount of horror in there even if the even if the genre isn't specifically uh, playing against the horror tropes that's what i like about it um why i say it's the easiest pick for me other than just adoring the the the, the work uh, of this director is that he runs the gamut as far as genres there there is straight horror there is you know fantasy action 
in there as well. So it makes it really easy to, to, to kind of pick him as a director. That's really my favorite and, and to center, you know, that as my genre pick. But if you look at it, horror elements, um, there's certainly Western elements. Uh, typically there's an, there's factors of kind of surviving the night, making it through, through to daybreak. Ensemble casts, unusual heroes, and of course, shooting in cinemascope synth music and often endings that I really like because typically they're a little ambiguous for sure what yeah is... the, the John Carpenter thing is um, definitely like it almost was like why didn't he just make a western you know like Tarantino almost all of his movies other than Hateful Eight and Django which are you know southerners and westerns and stuff like that but uh, Carpenter was always like, man, just dude, just make a Western. You know what I mean? Like, and, and there was always that rumor that he, uh, had been approached to direct Tombstone and it would have been like, come on, like, why didn't he direct Tombstone? Just like actually make a Western. But it's almost so much cooler that he never did, you know? And, uh, like assault on precinct 13 is, a um, a Rio Bravo no. essentially. And I, I love your, uh, analysis of survive the night movies. Cause I just, I love that genre so much. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's compact. Um, it, it, I'm also big on rewatchability and pace, and I, I think that construct helps that. And, and touching on the Western elements, yeah, he kind of brings all these neo-Western elements into everything. For instance, uh, Escape from New York, Snake Plissken is, you know, that character, or at least Kurt Russell, is doing his clean Eastwood against Lee Van Cleef. And then Kurt Russell again, right, is, is doing his hammed-up version uh, as you know, in quote marks that you can't see me holding my fingers of, of, of John Wayne, right? As, as, as Jack Burton in Big Trouble in Little China. So it's kind of cool how he weaved that all in there without making an actual Western. But I agree with you. It would have been cool to see him make a straight up spaghetti Western style movie. I'm trying to think of a, a John Carpenter-esque movie. I guess like score-wise, a lot of people would say like uh, It Follows felt very John Carpenter-esque and it's like score and it's execution. Um, but, but I think it follows, I think that's downplaying. It follows his effectiveness a little bit to call it Carpenter-esque. Um, I'm sure he has his hands, like the influence is so all over the 2010s because he had this huge, like, what do you call it? A re-rise to prominence. People just love John Carpenter now. And I, for some reason, I just didn't feel that, uh, growing up, but I, I could be totally wrong. Maybe he has endured throughout my lifetime i just i just felt it more recently definitely because he's a gamer now yeah he just he games and he smokes and watches the the, the fucking warriors the, the, the golden <laughs> state warriors play like the best team in the history of the nba yeah yeah you know i that's one reason why i attacked the block I, you know we'll, we'll get into that. that that's one reason why i picked that you know cross with Walter Hill, which we'll we'll discuss but that's that's one that actually stands out to me pretty strongly um there's been other movies that start to hit on it, um, you know, uh, by the, who's it, by the Spirit Brothers? How do you pronounce that? Uh, seven, seven, eight, ten years ago, Daybreakers, you know, kind of reminds you a little bit of a John Carpenter movie. Um, oh. I'm sure as we, I'll think of a really great answer to this <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> later yeah. on. But yeah, those are a few that kind of stand out that, that emulate that. Um, some, you know, of course, not rising to that level, but, but in that same vein. For sure, think on it, and then at the end of the show, we'll ask you again and see and sure. see what you thought of at the time. Um, what's your history with the creature features on film? Because of course, that's what our uh, our genre is right now that we're discussing. Do you have any favorites? Uh, yeah, as far as favorites, um, I think the gold standard to me is Tremors. Overall, um, I think that's the best of kind of bringing in that '50s sensibility of films like them and 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 things of of that nature. Um, 
to a more modern setting um, and bring that all together. Of course, things like Gremlins. Creature features have, has always been a genre that's perplexed me a little bit in the sense that whenever I've been asked about it, I kind of stop cold for a minute and think, you know, I don't think I really like creature features that much. But then as I think about it, the the genre, you know, or the subgenre is more expansive than I tend to think about it for some reason. And then people start, you know, thinking of like things like I love, like Predator, Alien, Aliens, et cetera. And I, I think that's typically because uh, I usually center upon, you know, kind of more human characters versus a beast. That's why the Godzilla movies don't necessarily jump out to me as creature features, but they're they're in that classification. But but of course, love love kaiju movies and Pacific Rim and things of that ilk as well. But but Tremors, Gremlins, I would say would be at the top of the list. Um, another one I tried to pick uh, that I like for the uniqueness uh, is uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf, which I think is also another cool one. Yeah, Adam, uh, I know you would have liked that pick a lot, but it just it just wasn't available anywhere. I didn't want to put that on the listeners or your, you, really. Um, I like You couldn't even buy it on like Amazon or whatever, but have you ever heard of Brotherhood of the Wolf? I hadn't, uh, but it, it definitely piqued my interest. Yeah, um, yeah, Chad, tell them a little bit about that one. That's uh, starring Vincent Cassell, right? Yeah, it's he, he's in the film. Uh, it's it's an ensemble as well. He's more of in the supporting role. Uh, Mark, uh, if I get the name pronounced correctly, Descasas, the uh, kind of known for his martial arts films, is is also one of the leads in there. Monica Bellucci is also in the film. But oh, nice. what what it really is, what it's really about, and what makes it unique as a creature feature, it's set in 18th century France. <laughs> and it is just a mashup of different genres. Uh, creature, there's a, definitely a creature in there that's, that's the through line of the film and is supposedly based on a true story. Uh, but you've also got you know martial arts, uh, religious cultism, political subterfuge, and some of these weird side characters who get into these uh, scuffles, so to speak. <laughs> uh, and everyone seems to know martial arts. Uh, that could have come right out of something like the Road Warriors. It feels like ancestors of you know uh, some of the some of the characters that would have been following more humongous around. Um, so you roll all that together, it makes for a really unique film. But it definitely has B movie sensibilities. So it's fun, even though it it does run kind of long. And uh, as far as direction, I think it's wonderfully photographed as well. Um, Christoph Gans uh, is the director of that one, who you might know from uh, Silent Hill. So it's really well shot, um, but those are a few things that why it stands out. And of course, you know, I'm sure, and I'm saying this tongue in cheek, uh, very historically accurate <laughs> to the times. I, I didn't know much about it before you started um, describing it, and I thought it was much more straightforward and serious. It actually sounds like a ton of fun. Um, like I said, I can't really find it anywhere, but once I get the chance, uh, I have a buddy, uh, who, uh, used to uh, volunteer at the theater, Alex Martinez, who does his own screenings right now with LA art society. He loves that movie. He would always talk about it. And I think at the same time when he was talking about it back then, I couldn't find it either. So, um, I always asked him to bring in his DVD to give to me and he, uh, he never did, but I, uh, I, I can't wait to watch it one day when it becomes available. If it becomes available, I guess. Yeah. I, I watched it off, uh, a DVD set I have that's like 10, 12 years old yes. uh, from Canada, actually. Uh, but I did I did try to search for it as well after we got to talking about it. And I saw Screen Factory is releasing, I think, for the first time on Blu-ray here um, in July or August. So people want to see it. Uh, it should be hitting in a few months here. 
yeah absolutely when that comes out we'll uh we'll have you back on the show and we'll discuss it even if we're not talking about creature features maybe we'll be talking about french movies or monica bellucci movies or something but uh one more question before we get to the movie here uh this is a gotcha show like we mentioned creatures adam they like to eat so Uh-oh. chad what's your favorite movie snack oh geez um the I'm dad go jokes with... the dad jokes on this show. Can you can you certify this for us, Chad, since you're your dad? Oh, How yeah. are the dad jokes on this show? Uh I would say they are nearing grandpa level. <laughs> oh, there you go. Adam, our that? dad jokes need fucking work. <laughs> yeah. I love uh yeah, as far as uh what'd you say? It was snack snack food at the movies? Yeah, so what's your favorite movie snack? Oh, uh, uh, you never can beat a good pretzel. Good soft pretzel. Ooh. I'm into that. Adam, have you answered this question yet? Uh, I have. Yeah, yeah. I was a uh, bunch of crunch is my go-to. Oh, a bunch of crunch. Interesting. And, and knowing you, you didn't ask me what my favorite movie snack was. That's right. Don't care. He doesn't, he doesn't like to reciprocate when I ask him questions. But uh, all right. He's not going to ask, so we're going to move on. Uh, Chad brought in Attack the Block, of course, which he already mentioned is a 2011 movie from director Joe Cornish, who we'll get into it as good buddies with Edgar Wright. That was always the big connection that I knew him through is that he uh, Edgar Wright was an executive producer on this movie, of course, coming off of his success of Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and would have been the year before this, Scott Pilgrim. So I'm going to go over some reviews for some from some um, of my friends on Letterboxd that we also call listeners of the show. Uh, let's go. Demia Dijawibe gives Attack of the Block four and a half stars. He says, I made Brooke watch this. I don't know who Brooke is. Because I remembered it was really good, but I forgot that it's actually really, really good. This movie is so damn beautifully shot, it drives me nuts. No duh, Boyega became a star after this. Very good. Uh, from a, a listener of the show, fan of the show, Aya. She gives it four stars. Says, John Boyega, you don't have to worry. I will watch everything you do. <laughs> and then I reviewed this movie, Adam. I don't think we've ever read a review on the show that I've written. Oh, it's talking about I... your favorite movie snack again. <laughs> yeah, it says I like pop. No, it. Um, <laughs> I gave it a heart on Letterbox, with me, which means it's in one of my, it's one of my top one hundred favorites, uh, which is really interesting because I've only hearted one hundred movies. What? And the... uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to it. I really like this movie. Spoiler alert for the show. But uh, my review is. A bloody banger, bruv. A bloody, <laughs> what was that? A, a bloody banger, bruv. A bloody banger, bruv. A bloody, a bloody banger, bruv. Okay, that's your favorite snack, you said. <laughs> no, no, this movie's a banger, one hundred percent. You know me, I'm Doctor Runtime. This thing clocks in at eighty-two minutes. Uh, it moves so quickly. It does have that Edgar Wright whip snap to it. Chad, why this movie? What's your history with Attack the Block? Yeah, um, if you want my literal history with it, what's funny on this one is for years and years, uh, my wife and I talked about going to South by Southwest. Um, and I first heard of it because we almost went to South by Southwest in 2011. And attack that's when I believe Attack the Block hit, and it was all the rage. And we went to uh, South by Southwest the next year, 2012. And I was like, dang, <laughs> that sounds like a movie that's right up my alley, and I missed it. And as it just so turned out, uh, I remember when we came back from going to South by in 2012, they were getting ready for the U.S. release. And uh, I guess this story is a little timely. Um, 
right when we kind of got back, which would have been around late March from that back here in Orange County, um, they put up an advanced screening of Attack the Block uh, with Edgar Wright there in attendance at the Arclight. So my first time seeing it was actually at the Arclight um, right there, not in the Cinerama Dome, but in one of the larger upstairs auditoriums. And that's how I first got to see it with a full house, uh, Edgar right there. And it was, it was just a blast. And it was my favorite movie of that year. In fact, of last decade, it's one of my favorite movies overall. Um, just high rewatchability, but it was great uh, getting to hear Edgar just talk about the process, kind of helping, you know, Joe Cornish uh, get that uh, actually made. And uh, as we were walking out, you know, another cool moment uh, down kind of like, the exit way there um we walked through and then all of a sudden uh walked right past um john boyega who for some reason was there kind of i guess watching um from the the, the entryway but uh didn't partake in any q a or announce himself and most people didn't even recognize him at that time if you can believe that because he'd done very very little at this point in his career what if it jumps at us then throw the banger what if i miss then we run what if it kills us no one is going to ever call you mayhem if you keep on acting like such a pussy. Yeah, I think this is a really good place to start with this movie. And uh, um, Aya on Letterboxd had touched on it. But this is such a massive Boyega star maker. Like, you watch yeah. this movie and it's it's just like the way that some shots are framed of, like, of, of, like, of, like the, the gang of kids. And then he's at the front of, like, the triangle. And he's, like, just so... Whether you know he feels so much older than the kids or whatever, or just so much more polished as an actor, he's just such a force. He he really reminded me of Daniel Kaluuya, like the person Daniel Kaluuya, like who we get to see behind the scenes. Adam, what did you think of Boyega in this movie? Do you see Abrams watching this movie in 2011 and saying that's my guy for Star Wars? I think so. I I mean that's my favorite part of the entire film is was watching. There's a there's a great nuance to that character. I think. And uh, he just pulls it off so greatly. It's hard to want to uh, be on the side of, of the people who uh, commit a criminal act and are like bloodlusty throughout the opening of the film. But he pulls it off. I think he becomes like an incredibly sympathetic but uh, strong, silent type kind of character. I, I loved the way that he played this. Yeah, Chad, this is where we just open up the movie to discussion before we kind of rate it on our fun uh, scale later. But, sure. uh, Adam, you bring up a very good point uh, in my notes here. I say it's very bold to open your movie with the protagonist robbing someone and, like, having to, like, really gain back our trust as the viewer throughout. Like, I'm like, this lady, like, did nothing wrong and they just, like, really rob her at the beginning. You're like, oh, are we supposed to like these characters? And mm-hmm. that that's that's the big dramatic arc of the movie is trying to get the audience back on the side of actually liking these, um, these kids, these kind of um, – I don't know what you would call them nowadays, but just kind of, uh, I guess, low-rent teenage criminals, essentially. Street you know? toughs. Street toughs. I love that. Yeah. Street street toughs. Toughs. Yeah. And I, I would, you know, to talk about Boyega a little bit, um, it is interesting to see what Abrams saw in Boyega here. Um, I, I think generally, yes, there's a certain charisma he has and, and it is a star making performance, but really I think what Cornish does with him best that I haven't really seen anyone else tap into yet. Not that I've seen John Boyega's full filmography is that he's a natural surliness that, that is so well used in this role. Um, and something 
you know, you don't really see leveraged uh, in Abrams Star Wars films, unfortunately, right? Um, and I, I hope he gets back to these kind of roles um, where, where, where he can really, really exude that, that natural edginess and, and, like I said, sterliness that he has. Yeah, it is kind of strange, actually, that that he was... I mean, I'm glad that he got pulled into the Star Wars universe after this, but it's a completely different character. And I don't know if you're watching this, you could be like, oh, he's definitely going to be the clown in the new Star Wars series, you know, coming up after this. Um, he, he he plays a great role also in um, Detroit, which yeah. is a fantastic film. I was just thinking of Catherine Bigelow's Detroit, yeah, where he plays the cop, but he doesn't... Uh, to Chad's point, he doesn't have, he doesn't feel edgy, he doesn't feel, he doesn't feel as um, dangerous. He's definitely a force in that movie. You can feel his physical presence, but um, I don't know, Chad, if this is what you're trying to say, but it, I would love to see Boyega play an outright villain in something. I, I think that he'd be very intense and um, kind of how Michael B. Jordan was like a very actual intense villain in Black Panther. I, I think that uh, Boyega could be a, a presence to really deal with uh, as a yeah. villain and some big budget movie or it doesn't have to be a big budget movie but um some crime saga or something i think he'd be great yeah i, th- I think your comparison's apt to daniel kalua like something uh, akin to what he pulled off in uh, widows that type of role oh man oh yeah, oh, yeah. That, that 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 role is in kaluuya in widows yeah. is like when he's not on screen you're like we were just talking about this uh, with some supporting actor roles this past year, but uh, Pat, specifically Pattinson and Tenet, where it's like when they're not on screen, you're like, boy, I really wish that uh, Pattinson or Kaluuya would come back and just. But the the usage of them is so smart. Uh, anytime that movie Widows really needs a, a kick in the butt, he shows up and he's just so intense. And I I think Boyega could have played that role definitely. Yeah, agreed. Um, so w- w- in terms of this movie, uh, we need to talk about the creature, the creatures in the movie. Mm-hmm. Of course, we love Boyega's uh, presence in the film. But I- I, when I think of this movie, I think of a-, a shot that I put on my Instagram last night of Boyega running down the hall with the, the basically the samurai sword mm-hmm. uh, and the pr- the. You know, it's tough. Like, a lot of it is practical, but a lot of it's CGI. And no matter what, it mm-hmm. looks fantastic, especially for a movie that's 10 years old. I think the creature design is fantastic. Same here. Um, and, yeah, that was my, ne- my next place to go as well, since it is creature features <laughs> we're focusing on. But uh, I think they're incredibly unique. And uh, you can't see me, but I'd love to give a standing ovation for the amount of practical effects going on in in, in this film. Um, it would have been really easy to make this on a much lower budget and make them all CG. Um, but one, it wouldn't come off the same. Two, with a group, which I'm sure we'll touch on, a, a group of so many first-time actors uh, where you want to leverage their naturalism, which is, I think, why Joe Corners cast these kids. Um, I don't think it would have worked well unless it was practical because this is literally i don't know if you've ever watched any of the making ofs or anything they're literally in these suits with those neon teeth and um the estimate is only about 20 percent of it uh is cg you know that they're using an after effects everything else is guys in the suits running around like gorillas <laughs> um with these like arm extenders within the suit so they can run like that like an animal um but but it is actually uh mostly pr- a practical film in terms of the effects of the creatures. Um, yeah. I think that that sort of mixture with the subtleness of, uh, of some CGI in there 
gives it like a really unique and a, a creepy feel to it that it all it's like is this like a real thing i'm not sure you know I was going to say the exact same thing where I, I it's it's always a great sign when I can't tell if it's CGI or practical, right? Like that's, isn't that the point? We should, everything should feel so real that I'm not sure if it's CGI or not. And that shot of him running down the hallway with the, the gorilla aliens following him. I, I, it's such an awesome design. Like you mentioned with the neon teeth, mm-hmm. very, um, very imaginative. Um, I, I really also enjoy that this movie is R-rated. Like, when it started mm-hmm. again, and I've seen the movie twice already. It's my third time seeing it. It's my second time seeing it during the, the pandemic, actually. I had watched it, watched it earlier. And um, I, they started cussing, and there was violence. And I was like, oh, yeah, this movie's rated R. They would never let this movie be rated R, even 10 years later in 2021. But I guess to your point, Chad, working on this budget, this kind of mid-budget you're allowed to maybe make this movie rated R. And I don't think it was a big hit or anything, but anybody who watches it, I know really enjoys it. Um, did you think that the R rating added any edge to it that needed to be, or do you think they could have gotten away with a PG 13 here? I think R was the right way to go. Just, uh, I, th- I think what it brings again is, is not just edge, but that sense of danger. Um, and that's what I like. My, my favorite creature features there's got to be a, a, sense, a sense of danger overall to it, um, some level of stakes. Because I think the first thing, especially as I was growing up, what comes to mind when I hear creature feature is camp. And I think having that element uh, where where characters, any of the characters could could die at any moment, and, and again, there, there's more realism there, keeps it from being camp. It's fun but it keeps it from being camp because you're actually invested in the characters as you go. And I think that's why with this specifically, I think it helps a great deal for, for it to be R rated. Yeah. I, I'm in that same uh, area too, where I think every once in a while, when something was about to happen, my mind would kind of go to the meta place and be like, Oh, well this is R. like something can happen. Uh, and then it usually did. It did throw me off a little bit because when, when like when there wasn't swearing, or if I didn't understand what the swearing was um, and there wasn't <laughs> violence, um, it was like it did feel like maybe I was watching like a PG-13 almost made for a younger audience kind of movie because just the bulk of the characters are younger. Um, and then we even had the two little kids in there at one point. And then you get reminded right away like, oh, no, this is a pretty hard R of a movie. There's drug dealers, like there's multiple drug dealers, you know, mm-hmm. there's the quote unquote good drug dealers, there's the bad <laughs> drug dealers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's this really interesting, I have I had Alien 3 on the brain last night because if, uh, as of this recording last night was uh, quote unquote Alien Day, it was uh, 426. And um, I wanted to watch Alien 3, but I watched Attack the Block instead because of this podcast, but I was thinking of Charles S. Dutton in that film and the kid with the glasses, the young kid with the glasses, I think that's a reference to the Charles S. Dutton character. Like he looks so mm-hmm. much like Charles S. Dutton, but there's a reminder of the rated R thing. His death scene is brutal. I don't know if you guys remember what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. but it's the kid who gets any like spits out the blood. Yeah. And you're like, Oh my, like you, like that is a weird thing. This is not the Goonies. You know what I mean? So right. um, for an Edgar yeah. Wright movie, Joe Cornish movie, you know, like guys who like co-wrote Ant-Man and stuff. It, it just felt very edgy to me. In, in a way that we don't see anymore in uh, what I like to call mini blockbusters. Like like Baby Driver is not rated R. Wait, wait, Baby Driver is rated R. 
But the <laughs> baby driver is rated R, but that's a massive, massive exception to that rule. You know what I mean? Like, so it's weird that he's kind of the only person making movies at this budget level that uh, can actually be edgy. It's really funny. I said it wasn't rated R, and it's like, wait, no, that's actually <laughs> one of the very rare exceptions. Now, Baby Driver is a perfect example of a movie that did not need to be rated R. There's, like, some gore in there that, like, de definitely does not to be need to be in there. Uh, but I agree with you that this one being rated R, it really it really adds to the movie for sure. Yeah, and that yeah that scene, I wrote that down in my notes. It's one of my favorite moments in the film, actually, where I think they're fighting their way to, to the weed room where Ron has his weed. That's why it's called right. weed room, or whatever the joke is in the movie. Uh, but this way that shot and whatever's the, the smoke or whatever's going on in yeah. the, the hallway at that point. And, uh, and the reason why I immediately said yes, too, is I, I didn't notice the rating, right, as far as, like, how it affected the story. And right. when I don't feel the rating, I'm like, I wouldn't change a thing then. Because, <laughs> obviously, if it was trying to, like, outdo itself with some sort of gore or even the language, you know, I mean, these are inner, street, inner city street kids. I expect them to talk yeah. a certain way. If, if they're not, then I'm going to, again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to delve into camp for me. And while, while I may still have fun and laugh, um, it just it just isn't going to have the same traction with me as a story. Yeah, that's what I liked about it is like nothing, nothing really felt forced in this movie, not the the violence or anything, and especially not the jokes, which is I feel like pretty hard to pull off as well. Um, but I think getting back to the edgy thing also, when uh, when the first of their crew dies, you know, and the, that creature knocks the helmet off uh, and the head off that one uh, who was it dennis you guys yeah yeah i think it was, yeah yeah it was dennis um i you see the helmet and i was like well surely there's no way that they actually killed you know one of the crew in this movie you know and then after you do see that that's the end for him i feel like that kind of opens up a whole new door if anything could happen moving forward which i really liked it really does seem to be the key that unlocks the most uniqueness in this movie. Probably. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like again, even 10 years later now, we're not making a movie like this as rated R. So, but that could be a big reason why the U S box office receipts look the way they did. You know, we, um, we tend as movie fans to really gravitate towards these movies that don't are not four quadrant movies like this by default can't be a four quadrant movie because anybody over the age of 17 technically can't watch it or whatever. So, uh, definitely a bold move. Um, Adam, we, I mean, Chad and I clearly very like, very much like this movie, but, uh, I want to hear you let loose. What did you think of the movie? Uh, I did, I did like it also. I don't think it nearly as strongly as you two like it. Um, I think for me, I could see it warming up to it. I also didn't watch it in the best circumstances. But I think what I really wanted was more uh, style from it, which I know is kind of crazy to say. But there are moments like, um, you know, when they return to the block for the first time after the aliens and, and the, the camera is like shooting up words and you see the lights and there's like this heavy music of like, as the camera moves under and you, it's setting the tone for what's going to be coming. I really love that. And I kind of wish that that was more in other shots too you know a lot of the other shots to me felt like they were just kind of um thrown together to be in the movie whereas you know if we're going to take edgar wright edgar wright it does feel like he wants every shot almost to be an and lasting image of something sure i mean my, my one my one big um quote-unquote complaint about this movie is that again dr runtime does love the 82 minute uh runtime here but i think 
think that he could have taken his time a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. like the movie really gets into it. Like when I paused in it, it was 25 minutes and I was like, holy smokes, we're like really into this plot. Um, I, I want like an hour and 45 minute version of this movie. I, I want to get the, to know the kids better. I want a little more character development, but just as like a breakneck alien invasion, um, big, you know, what would they, what they call them? Big alien gorilla looking motherfuckers type thing. I think it's snappy. I think it's exactly what needs to be And Chad had mentioned the South by Southwest. It's like a, it's like a meteor hitting South by South. It is such a slam dunk at that festival. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to really, um, delve on what we didn't like about the movie, but I'm, I'm glad to know that we kind of all generally have a nice respect for this movie. Um, let's get a slightly, a little bit deeper and we'll get into this when we rate the movie about the metaphor for the monsters. But, uh, Adam, did you dig, did you dig anything here in terms of the, um, the kind of themes of like the underclass will defend itself or the scenes I, I, I laughed out loud when he said like, uh, the one character says, like, is that more of the monsters? And then the one the other character says, like, what does he say? Like, he says, like, sort of or kind of. And then You're the like, cops show up. worse, yeah. Yeah, the cops show up. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay, so we're, like, saying some of that. I think, like, Joe Cornish is, like, this, like, uh, British white, you know, white dude who's, like, making this movie about <laughs> the inner city. And I'm like, I'm like there's he's, like, doing a pretty good job here, you know what I mean? I probably yeah. would want a different perspective on this movie right. for sure. But um, uh, what did you think? What, what did you think about the – could you delve deeper into this movie than it just being a fun flick? Yeah, I think absolutely. And I, that's what that's what I, what made it a, a like in my mind um, is that there is that level. It is weird that it is Joe Cornish doing all these things. And then there's like jokes. There's like there are some uh, there, there are specific black jokes in there that I'm like, I wonder if he wrote those or if like the, the cast kind of came up with those. Yeah, it, um, it feels like they probably were improved, but but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I really like that. I like the sort of and and then that kind of um, makes the beginning even stronger, right? The whole robbing thing in their situation, and we do get a glimpse of uh, sort of John Boyega's home and everything as it all pieces together. It almost becomes like a mystery where you said we are forced to like you know come back into the good graces of this protagonist. Um, but it's also more of a bigger understanding of the situation, you know, of not just for them and the aliens or whatever, but in a larger sense of, of these communities that don't have uh, all these chances and, and sometimes need to resort to things like like mugging and whatnot, you know, or just like uh, ranking and whatnot. Yeah, it, there's a few things I noticed. Um, I try to take the angle of... <laughs> the director intended it, you know, um, uh, it's possible I could be reading too much into things, but I, I do find it, there's a few things I find a little bit fascinating that are subtle. Um, you know, first, you know, it, there's a line in there, which is a joke, but I think it might tie into something that, that's within the subtext. Moses says something to the effect of, um, they sent guns in, uh, to kill everyone and then they sent drugs in and because the you know the blacks aren't killing each other fast enough mm-hmm. and now they're sending in monsters and I, I do think it's it's particularly interesting that the the creatures themselves are so are, are black themselves right as, mm-hmm. as far as this, how they look aesthetically right and there's even when they take time after one they've killed, they even speak to that. Like there's another kind of throwaway joke about like, Hey, this, this, this gorilla alien MF or what is blacker than my cousin Femi. Right. 
See? Is that a dog? No. No, that is not a dog. That's black. Too black to see. That's the blackest black ever, fam. That's blacker than my cousin Femi. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I, I, I think there's something tied into there about that aspect uh, uh, in a sub subtextual way of, you know, sending in these creatures and looking the way they do and the fact that they have these blue <laughs> neon teeth, right? Um, tying into kind of, you know, there's an overall color palette of blue in the film, but just thinking about uh, the, the cops and the police, et cetera, um, I think it's one sort of interesting angle, but less visual than that, so to speak, is the cops, you know, and news media, no one cares that this is going on, you know, down in the inner city. Uh, uh, and I think that's a big thing. Meteors are falling all over the place. Uh, something is savagely killing people, <laughs> Kill, you know, killing people living around the block. And no one really cares. And it seems like the only time they show up is, you know, when uh, Sam, you know, Jody Whitaker is accosted. And even at the end, you know, a big corner of the building's blown up. And they're still asking her, hey, you know, those are the kids, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, you, right, right. Like they, they, they're just they don't care at all about what's what's going on. You know, uh, probably part of that socioeconomic. You know, uh, I would think leaning is is what they're getting at. Um, and again, you know, even when um, the one kid Biggs is trapped in the dumpster, no one ever really shows up as this monster's just clobbering this thing for who knows how long until you know kids start shooting off fireworks. <laughs> Right. You know, then the cops arrive. So it's kind of funny, you know, the, the way their absence and then when and when any kind of, you know, authoritative presence finally inserts itself. And I, I would think that's all by some specific design. Uh, but it, but it, but in the sense of if keeping keeping the film going, to your point, it, it's not dwelling on it. Maybe maybe it could dwell on it uh, and extend it out a little. I, I think that's an interesting thread to pull. Definitely. Uh, we, and we were kind of jokingly talking about like longer cuts or of movies. We always talk about that on the podcast about ghost directors and longer cuts laying around in the movie. And I, I want to think there's a longer cut laying around in this movie. That's just a little more in depth, even, even five minutes longer, you know, but uh, it, it's possible that they kind of ditched some of the more subtext for just a, a romp and a good time. Uh, but I think it works extremely well as both. Uh, certainly, better as one thing than the other but i wish we had gotten more of the subtext that you had mentioned but um uh, we can continue talking about the movie but we're going to move on to rating it right now chad uh, we're going to go to our uh, our arbitrary rating system that we put together in our intro to creature feature episode it's going to be five categories and then a bonus category each is going to be rated a one through ten and you're going to go first and then adam traditionally goes second and then i go third uh so my first question to you is one to ten how cool is the monster's origin, not design? We should have, we maybe should have changed this to design at the very beginning, but we're going to go with how cool is the monster's origin in Attack the Block? Uh, I'm going with five, um, right down the middle. And the reason uh, I would say a five is I don't think there's much of an origin. They try to stitch a reason or a purpose around them arriving, but I don't know if there's really an origin to them. But I also put five because I think that's the starting place uh, or at least how the story typically resolves itself in most creature features. 
doesn't seem like there's a lot of origin there. So that seems kind of average, kind of normal to me. Sure. Adam? Yeah. I think I'd probably give it a six. I do on, like it more than I, I uh, would want it as a throwaway. I like the idea that, as uh, the guy says at the end, they're sort of floating on cosmic winds and they just happen to land here. Uh, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm giving it a six. I, I think that the beginning when we see the um, the comets of the meteors coming to Earth and then we kind of crash zoom on it and it says attack the block. And I think that's like a pretty cool origin in, in general. I'm going to give it slightly over the five mark. So I'll give it a six as well. Um, next question, Chad. How – okay, this is an Adam category, by the way, and I, I completely <laughs> railed against it for two episodes in a row, but we got to stay dare you. How dumb slash silly are the human characters in this movie? Now, that being said, this movie might do quite well on this scale. <laughs> yeah, is uh, is the scale meaning if their intelligence level or how dumb they are a 10, being the dumbest? Yeah, yeah, the dumber they are, the higher the score. Got it. Uh, I'm at... and, it's, and it's not talking about like their – education I know. level yeah yeah it's their decision making skills yeah on this one uh i actually went with uh a seven um the reason i'm going with a seven is i don't consider them like just to your point dumb or unintelligent i consider them foolhardy <laughs> they're they're certainly brave um right. and i don't think there's a lot of strategic thought um behind what they're doing uh valor perhaps of let's go stomp these alien creatures um, the reason I didn't go the full 10 for that type of approach is even though they didn't necessarily intend that, they end up using their surroundings, right? When you think about how they weave around the walkways, leverage what's in the block to to kind of uh, survive, or most of them survive and kind of overcome uh, these alien creatures. That's why I'd still give them a 7 um, as opposed to going just 10 just for marching into everything. But initially, yeah, at the start of the film, they're pretty close to a 10 in the way they approach stuff. But uh, they're, they come up fairly victorious, so uh, I can't go that high. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think I'll probably go with a 7 also. Uh, I think they are pretty ridiculous, but I think it's a good reflection of, of how some younger kids would be acting in that situation. Uh, I think they're smart. One of my favorite movie or uh, scenes is when um, that uh, kid, uh, the uh, the one who ends up making it at the end and smoking and whatnot, when he goes into his house to grab the weapon, and uh, he limps into his house and makes sure his mom sees and the mom asks like what happened so that that way he could carry the bat out. You know, I love that foresight. So pretty smart overall i liked them i thought they were all kind of clever down to even the little kids doing the, a pretty clever thing um but silly silly factors high definitely uh, yeah yeah the other half of the question is silly uh, i think that they're kid smart do you know what i mean mm -hmm. like someone who would watch this movie who maybe wasn't bright would think that they're clever like adam uh so i i think uh i'm giving it a seven if this was a slot machine we'd be very rich right now seven 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 across the board um, I think that they're the, where the dumb comes from is what Chad said. They're just a little too brave, like a little, a little bit too much. They don't know what they're dealing with. So I think the naive naivete kind of really uh, sets the tone here. So sevens across the board, uh, one through ten. Chad, here this is a crazy one. This this um, scale is very up and down. Movies have not tend to scale or um, score very high on them. But how sympathetic are the monsters in Attack the Block? 
I had to stretch for this one, so uh, not to be boring, but I'm going to go with a six. Um, and the reason okay. is, <laughs> uh, clearly, this is a revenge tale. So for, for the monsters, once you discover that um, they're really out to to either find or or um, avenge um, the female alien that the they, they arrived here, to, I guess, to mate with. Oh, wow. Hmm. Very nice. Very, yeah. very nice justification. I We don't have enough guests who come on this show and try to fight for the movie. I, we really don't. And I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I would probably give it like a, a one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, I, I, I get where you're coming from completely. But I think it seems like their larger goal was eventually to just sort of like breed and take over. Right. So uh, that's that's no good for me. Uh, Adam, I'm giving it less than one. <laughs> I'm wow. giving it a zero. I feel like of all the movies we watch and all the ones we will watch, these monsters were pretty unsympathetic. They were they were really really. By the time they had killed that Charles S. Dutton little kid, I was like, oh man, I, I have no sympathy for these things. These are these things are real mean killer machines. But for that reason, again, this is why this scale is a little wonky. That I think that movie makes the movie better. I think that that the monsters are legitimately scary. But uh, on this scale, I'm giving it a zero. Uh, sorry, Chad. Uh, we can make up some points here, though. We just discussed this. Uh, category number four. How strong of a metaphor are the monsters in this film? Uh, on this one, uh, I went six as well. So I, 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 think, I think, again, I, I spoke to some of the undercurrents that are there. I don't think it's in-your-face type of metaphor. Um, so you have to, to dig a little bit as you're watching it. Um, again, uh, just thinking about how the outside world around the block ignores them and, and what's being done there. And it really comes down to the people there to kind of defend their, their area. Uh, um, I think that's the way they're used is kind of in, in, in the ignorance, right? Uh, of the out, from the outside city. Yeah, I think incredibly strong. You know, we kind of do get that, like you said, that ham-fisted line in there where it is about, uh, oh, they, they sent, the government probably sent them in here because they sent the drugs and they sent the guns and everything. Um, but, you know, as the more I think about it, the more I think it works really well, even if it's not, the aliens aren't specific to, like, a specific thing, just the fact that they are there causing the problems and, and the larger city doesn't seem to care. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine. A nine, very nice. I was leaning towards an eight, but I have settled on a seven here, which is very strong. Um, but I'll read the line that y'all have been referencing, and I I wrote it down. Government probably bred those things to kill black boys. First they sent in drugs, then they sent in guns, and now they're sending in monsters to kill us. They don't care, man. We ain't killing each other fast enough, so they decided they decided to speed up the process. I think that even that attempt to make these monsters into a metaphor of some sort earns it seven points and i really enjoyed what adam called a very ham-fisted line there so seven from me <laughs> uh strong category for that um last category before the bonus one chad rampage points and uh i'm sure have did you play the n64 film rampage or sorry the n64 nah sorry the game rampage i know it was made into a film Yes, um, I played the arcade version yeah, <laughs> of Rampage, yeah. yes, uh, and wore right. that out, which was much better than uh, whatever it came out, NES or I guess Super yeah. Nintendo, I think is when it first hit console. Right, uh, so you know what Rampage points are. What would you give this movie? 
Yeah, I went with this was a tough one for me to yeah. to decide. Uh on a scale of ten is uh monsters are destroying a world, nine is a city, <laughs> uh eight is a building or buildings. Uh I went right. with seven. So they're destroying cars, pieces of buildings, and certainly rampaging people. Uh, I thought seven was a fair score. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I I really like the uh the, the scale you just gave us. Uh based on your own scale, Adam, what would you give it? I I'd give it a 7 also, I think. I think that's a good way to put it. Um you know, within the context of the world, which is the, pretty much the block, they do a, a lot of heavy work. Um but then the strength of the metaphor uh wouldn't be as strong if they were rampaging elsewhere. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Good point. Uh, I'm, I hate being the one to give it the lower score out of the three of us, uh, but I'm giving it a six, um, basically for the points you just, just said, but I had already written down six, so I got to stick to it. Um, yeah, definitely they do attack the block. They definitely achieve the namesake of the movie. There's some damage done, but um, great point. I mean, if they had attacked the world, the movie wouldn't be called that, and the and the metaphor wouldn't stick as quite as well, so... Um, next category, last category is going to be the bonus. How big slash scary are the monsters in Attack the Block? They're not big, you know. No, There's that great not. line from Nick Frost in there about, uh, you know, doesn't he say they're like a four, two foot high or four foot high? They have no eyes, and a bunch of teenagers stomp them to death. We got nothing to worry about. <laughs> so, um, but I, I do think they are scary. I know, cool. Cool design is not part of the question, but uh, they certainly are scary, and the damage they do to people uh, makes them even scarier. So uh, for that alone, I went seven. Mm-hmm. I'll hop in here, Adam. Uh, I also gave it a seven for that exact reason. They definitely do damage, and uh, they are pretty scary. I, I think design can definitely become into this category as if I saw one of those things sprinting after me in a park or something, I, I cannot deny that it would be scary. Hmm. I think, uh, do you guys hear that? It's the sound of a casino jackpot. I'm giving wow. it a seven also. Oh, man, the dad <laughs> jokes are, are peaking on this show. Um, yeah, I think, I think you know, the best thing is, is, uh, is the design choice of, oh, those are eyes. Oh, no, wait, those aren't the eyes. Um, I think that's terrifying. You're not too big, you're right. And if you're looking at it from the back, it's probably not that scary. But, but the mouth eye thing alone, I think, gives it a lot of power. Yeah, I like, you know, one thing we didn't hit on is I, I like that screech they make, too, um, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool um, from wherever they're at or hiding or, you know, they're coming. Uh, I think that's pretty scary as well. I have given this movie the lowest score of the three of us. I've given it a 33 out of 50. Um, again, the scale never lies, Adam. The scale is unbeaten, bulletproof. Right. So the it scale must is true. The way it must be the way I feel about this movie is a 33 out of 50. I, I really do genuinely um, I liked love this movie for sure. So I've given it a 33 out of 50. Uh, you have given it a 37 out of 50. Adam, how do you feel wow. about that? Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think this is a, uh, I think I enjoyed this a lot and it feels like a solid creature feature, especially with a, a good amount of new twists. Definitely. And uh, Chad, you have given it the highest score, just one point higher than Adam. You give it a 38 out of 50. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, it feels good. Uh, I thought I was going to end up higher for some reason, so I'm good with that. <laughs> okay. Not too much um, homerism. <laughs> no, no. I thought it was very a very fair rating, uh, very nice. So we've done three creature features in this series so far, and Attack the Block is now the leader of the pack with 108 points. It is now two points higher than Creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I, I think you can be very, very proud of that score, Chad. And uh, thank you for bringing this movie on. I think I think we really got down to the to brass tacks with this movie for sure. Like I, I, I think that we there's unfortunately not a ton to bite into, but uh, creature effects are fantastic. There's a little bit of a metaphor there. There's some really strong performances, some very naturalistic performances. And I um, I disagree with Adam about the direction of the movie. I think it's directed for exactly what kind of movie I, it wants to be. Yeah, and I'll add, we didn't get into it, uh, but as a last kind of button to it all, uh, I think if you love John Carpenter and Walter Hill, this is a fantastic mishmash of that with some Edgar Wright thrown in. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, it wears I'm, feeling, its, uh, it... I'm feeling really attacked right now. Why? Because That's I said a, that you... you, you I don't I, know. I, said... I didn't want you to ask me why. Oh, you, you, you just you just wanted to feel like a victim. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm I the Joker, just, baby. Yeah, he comes in. Chad, this guy comes in as a wild card in every episode. I don't know what to tell you, but um, yeah, no, you're right. It wears its influences on its sleeves, definitely. Uh, it's both of its sleeves, um, but yeah, definitely the uh, the carpenter feel is there. Uh, definitely mixed with a little bit of Edgar Wright. You can, de- I mean. As an executive producer, you can feel his effect on this movie for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, Cornish knew where his bread was buttered and wanted to copy his buddy a little bit stylistically. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, th- oh, yeah. Let's get to our award real quick, Chad. So I had mentioned this to you before the show, but at the end of the uh, series here, we'll give away the go- our Silver Ghosty Awards at the outro to Creature Feature. And uh, they're named after the guests who have been on the show and also the, the hosts. So mine that I'm giving away is going to be called the Trevor Dillon Award for Chonkiest Monster, which, hey, these monsters have a chance at that. They are kind of big gorilla-like creatures, so mm-hmm. you never know. It could win. Adam, are you ready to reveal what your award is going to be? Absolutely not. All right. Adam is keeping it from us, but we have the Justina Bonilla Award for Best Underwater Scenes. We have the Miguel Rodriguez Award for Real World Allegory. So, hey, this movie might do well there, too. Uh, and I want to warn you, Chad, if um, Attack the Block wins any awards, you do have to leave me a voice memo that will play on the show accepting the awards for the movie that you brought on. But in the meantime, what is the award that you want to give away for the Creature Feature series, the Chad Leslie Award for? I'm going to go with – there was two I had in mind, but we'll go with Least Romantic Alien Mating Spot because who wouldn't want to go to the, <laughs> to the projects of Southern, South London? Interesting. Good choice. <laughs> very good. It's funny because it is very doctored towards Attack the Block, but I could definitely see something else winning this category. Even Lorelei. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the other one would be uh, Most Irrational Confidence Award. <laughs> that <helps>. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These kids definitely have like that irrational. It's, it's really. Adam, if you didn't know what was attacking your neighborhood block, like you would not run towards it with a samurai. So you know what I mean? Like, like right. you, you. I mean, famously on the show, you are a coward. But the exactly. the, the characters in this movie are, are are foolhardy at best, definitely. And I think that really came out in the how dumb slash silly are the human characters awards here. That's fair. Yeah, I think uh, they're braver than I am. <laughs> well, I mean, the bar is low, my friend. Right, most kids are. So <laughs> yeah, most children. Uh, okay, cool. So uh, clarify for that me again, Chad. That's the Chad Leslie Award for Least Romantic Alien Mating Destination. 
got it least romantic <laughs> alien mating destination i love it i love it it's good because it does feel like you really uh are trying to win an award here for attack the block but i you know there's a gonna be 10 movies on this series so good luck to you um <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. I feel like this episode was very short and punchy, just like the movie itself is. Um, do you have anything that you'd like to plug or promote before we get out of here? No, I'm just going to be that guy who uh, is open to all podcast opportunities. Let, let me know. And uh, I'm here to watch movies. Um, but but yeah, hold hold this uh, hold this spot for me if you go back and post that, at, you know, kind of like they're doing with movies and TV shows today and they do brand advertising later. When I have something to... to um, <laughs> When I have something to promote, uh, maybe we can edit that <laughs> yeah. in at a later date from future Chad. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on the show. And anybody who's listening who has their podcast, have Chad on because clearly, as you've heard today, he is an excellent guest. So thank you for coming on. Uh, Adam, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Um, yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Chad. I'm, I'm really glad you brought this movie because I've been wanting to watch it for a long time and I never got around to it. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, follow me at Projector Fuel on Instagram where I post the movies I'm watching and uh, check out my website, adamjcwagner.com. Awesome. And my plugs are I'm on Letterboxd at Captain Dills where I keep a list of all the movies we've talked about on this podcast and I even rank them. Uh, given their scores within their own genres. Personals are at Trevor Dills on Instagram and Twitter. And always follow us at Ghost Party Picks on all of their socials. Uh, you can rate and review subscribe us on Apple Podcasts, as you heard at the beginning of the show. If you leave us a roast review and give us five stars, we'll read it at the beginning. Uh, you can smash that follow button on Spotify. And Adam, uh, there was like a like a like an owl who ran into my window uh-huh. like before we started recording and i was like what was that and i looked outside and it had a note attached to his foot yeah and i opened up the note and it said um that ghost party radio is on google podcast now that's right we're according to the owl we're still running this joke and we are on google podcasts uh hopefully you can check us out there i think we have two followers now so we're going strong Honestly, who listens to Google Podcasts? I really want to know. I want people to tell me in real life who is using Google Podcasts because I have it on my phone just to make sure we don't have another ghosty gate situation where you upload the wrong episode or whatever. Right. Just to make sure. But if you're out there and you use Google Podcasts, we want to hear from you. Please let us know. Uh, email us, uh, ghostpartypictures at gmail.com and let us know because we want to continue to only connect with our listeners who are listening through Google Podcasts. Right. That's uh, that's. I don't I don't even have anything to add, so thank you. You're so sickened by the fact that I've run that bit into the ground, and let me tell you, I have plenty more. Yeah, I'm ready for that. Uh, Chad, thank you so much. Uh, like I said thank earlier, you. this was the, uh, the attack the block of podcast episodes. Uh, I love how it really mirrored it. Um, you were a great guest, so thank you for taking an hour and a half of your time out of your day. I know you're busy. No, uh, happy to do it. Um, it's always a good time to to chat movies and like moses says i'm happy that you guys said allow it when it came to me (laughs) (laughs) absolutely thank you everybody for listening to ghost party radio adam we have officially blocked the attack bingo bye bye Mm, that's a 10